Hello, my name is Federico Toledo and welcome to the Quality Sense podcast, where you will have the chance to improve your sense for quality by listening to some leaders who are amazing at what they do in the software industry. In each show, I'll have a one-on-one -on -one chat with them discussing specific topics related to software testing and quality. Alan Richardson is a British consultant better known as Evil Tester. With more than 25 years of experience in testing and development, he offers consultancy and training in agile testing and test automation. Alan is the author of different books including Java for Testers and Their Evil Tester. He's been sharing a lot of content in his YouTube channel, in his podcast and in his blog. Hello, Alan. Nice to Hi. see you here and welcome to, to the show. Thank you. It's just that no one else knows that we're seeing each other because you just released this as audio. So that's that. Uh, I can't <laughs> show anything on screen. I have to describe <laughs> everything that I'm doing. I think we have been interacting uh, a couple of times in, in social media. Uh, yep. But uh, a couple of weeks ago, I, I published uh, an automation challenge in, in Twitter. And you were one of the, the ones who answered to this challenge. And I got impressed of the amount of people who, who <laughs> I say, uh, who coded for free or for fun. And, you know, it's like, um, yep. hey, this is my solution using Ruby and, and Selenium, for trying to automate uh, a specific game through a web interface. And I want to see if someone can make it faster, maybe. And you really beat me. <laughs> Your solution was much faster. And I wanted to, to know also, why did you engage with the, with the challenge? So, so the interesting thing for me is, um, when I'm teaching testing, like I like people to use real applications and to make that interesting one of the types of applications are games so like i write um really bad games in javascript online for people to test with and part of that um i wanted to try and figure out how to automate it and i'm interested in security testing and things like that so with these little games i learned how to look at the dom look at the html look at the javascript that's going on and then start automating them from within the command line Because I wanted to be able to write bots from within the browser that could play the games all the way through, right? Because like games get harder and harder. So if you want to get up to level 160, that's not what normal people do. So you have to find some way of automating that. And the easiest way of automating that is in the browser where you have access to all the variables in memory. Because you know all the positions of all the aliens. You can trigger the, the fire and also they can then bypass all the controls so you can make auto fire work because you just remove all the limits and you just change all the code and memory um, and i was experimenting with this years ago and then i saw an online talk of someone talking at a developers conference where he was doing this and he gave some examples of what he was doing i thought that's very similar to what i do i went a little bit further so i've just been pursuing that now so because i think if we're going to learn javascript it's a nice easy language to learn And you don't need any tools whatsoever to learn it because we already have that in the browser. And there's the browser dev console. Um, and you can do this on any site whatsoever. It's just there to practice with. And once you know how to do it within the console, 
it's a natural step then to then, if you're doing any kind of GUI automation, inject JavaScript into the page to support you with your normal everyday execution. So it has a side benefit that way. And if you're not really doing automating, but you're more interested in interacting with it manually, you gain more technical knowledge of the application and you no longer trust anything that the GUI presents to you because you know how easy it is to manipulate and change. So there's a massive amount of advantages and benefits on that. And uh, the course that I put on Test Automation U explains a lot of the techniques and processes for doing that. Something that I, I think it's very related with programming is that it's a, it's a playful activity. So presenting things to do as a game or, or as, a, as a challenge, it's more engaging for people. And I got amazed with the response of uh, many people trying to, you know, automate in a faster way and in a better way. I, I, I learned a lot from different solutions. And one, I didn't see anything similar to what you did. And I think that what you just explained is the key. It's like uh, not only using the, the record and playback tools as you typically do when you are starting with, with Selenium or some tool like this, but also getting more involved with the JavaScript, with the DOM, with the, all the technologies uh, involved in the UI, right? And yeah, and for some people, that is a, an easy thing to do. And we always want a mix of people because I say these things, then people get nervous that they have to understand everything. And, but I do that because I've always been interested in the technology that we're working with. So for me, that's a natural extension. And I've always been interested in games. And uh, I wrote a, a, an interactive uh, text adventure game. So there's an, an online text adventure game that I use for training that can have 50 or 100 people using that. And that's designed to help people use the REST APIs, go into the DOM to see stuff that's hidden. I think as soon as you give people games, they're more likely to explore in more playful ways and not worry so much about the consequences. Right? If you give them an application, they, get, they, want, they stay very rigid, focused on requirements. With games, they're prepared to push the boundaries a bit more. I have another uh, example of something I was discussing yesterday. We are, we are preparing like... Um, uh, for our recruiting process, we have like a challenge to present to the people uh, doing the process. And mm -hmm. it's not the same to ask someone to automate, like uh, access this e-commerce site, uh, do a search, take the, all the titles of the elements that you find and, and save them in a CSV file or something like this, mm -hmm. then asking them to steal the, the, mm -hmm. um, the data, the database of this application, you know? It's like, a, yeah. it's the same thing, what you are going to do, but you present the problem in a different way, which is more engaging. And also people think about it differently. I mean, one of the distinctions I make is the difference between tactical and strategic. Right. And if you give people the problem of here's an e-commerce site, we want to automate it, they're immediately going to think strategic and they're going to think big tools to automate it long term to really impress everyone. If you talk about stealing stuff and scraping stuff, they, they instantly get tactical and then they won't necessarily look for WebDriver. They might bring down JSOUP. They might start processing the HTML directly. They might use curl. They might, there's a whole bunch of more exploratory tactical tool-based solutions. But if you ask them to automate it as an e-commerce site, they're going to immediately get strategic and start thinking about program code, web driver, 
page objects and all the abstraction layers, and it takes a little bit longer. But if you're trying to focus on an objective and you can give them the leeway in how to approach it, um, having the ability to do both is really important. That's one of the reasons why I do the JavaScript stuff as well, so that I can tactically come onto a site and automate it without all the infrastructure. There, there was another game that you sold. I, I'm not going to, to mention <laughs> which one specifically uh, in order to, to keep the secret, but it was uh, amazing how, you know what you made me think about is like how critical thinking is really important also for automation. Because my challenge was, hey, let's try to solve this game. And your solution was, hey, the solution is embedded in the HTML in some JavaScript co script code on the client side. Yep. So I don't need to automate the user interaction with the game in order to, to, to solve it. I have the solution here. But I didn't think about looking at the HTML or the JavaScript in order to understand how the, the, the game worked. I don't know. It's one of the advantages I have that I, because I've been doing, I mean, I started as a programmer. I've been doing this for a long time that I'm interested in how it works as well because I want to make sure I'm automating from the right perspective. I want to make sure that I'm actually targeting the right things. Right, because a lot of time we don't understand the technology, so we test the wrong thing. I've seen teams come into a website, the little calendar drop-down controls, they start testing those. But those are the HTML5 built-in calendar controls. They're testing at the wrong level because they don't understand the technology. So I get in the habit of uh, looking at the HTML, looking at the JavaScript, looking at all the web traffic that's coming through. It's all part of my initial investigative scoping procedure, the reconnaissance that I do on the, on the site before I test it and automate it. I'd like to make a short pause to thank Abstracta for sponsoring this podcast. Abstracta is a company fully dedicated to software testing that can work with you to push the quality of your product and processes to the next level. It's also, there is another thing related with the bias that we have as uh, programmers or, or users of a specific tool. If we are in charge of automating a test case or automating something, and I know Selenium, I know whatever tool, I probably will start thinking how to solve it with the tool I know. Yep. Perhaps we can change the the, the, the problem, the, the way we specify the problem in order to allow them think more tact tactically or yeah. as you say. With so I mean different... that's, one of the, mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons why I have that distinction between tactical and strategic because it gives me that ability to make decisions. Uh, and the reason I developed that is because we used to do, or we still do, agile, right? So you'd come on a project that would be agile, so you do it the agile way where you automate all the acceptance criteria, you work on it long term and build it up. But a lot of agile projects are not actually, they don't need to be agile, right? They're not strategically agile. We're building something in iterations that when it goes out there, it will only survive for a couple of months. It will never be maintained. We do not need a strategic approach to the development of that, um, which involves a lot of automated execution with Selenium and, and code bases and things like that. We could be doing it much more tactically to get equivalent results to achieve what the customer wants. So having the ability to overcome our biases 
is really important. But in order to do that, you have to recognize what your biases are. Right? My biases are very technical. I'm oriented towards code. So I will look at those things on a, a first basis, which is handy because I get a lot of information there. But there's some times when that is not appropriate. Right? I shouldn't necessarily look at the code if I'm doing um, accessibility testing or usability testing. Right? So there's parts of the testing process that I don't get involved in as much and because I like to try and harness what I'm good at. And that's why you build teams. You build teams where some people are biased towards one thing, some people are biased towards another. As you approach your project more strategically, you mitigate the risk that only one person can do that by sharing the knowledge and the skills. But on a tactical basis, if you can just harness people's biases, then you can be much more productive and really quickly. I totally liked the, the, this idea you mentioned of uh, building a team with the different biases or the different skills that complement each other with different visions. Because maybe one has more visibility on the, on the business or the product and can help you that you, if you are very focused on the call, maybe yep. you need someone to say, hey, stop doing this and pay attention to what's important for the business, right? So yep. having this combi combination of things, it's really important. I, I was thinking in another thing related to, to the bias because when I think about let's automate this, typically most of the people I would say think automatically in the UI level. And maybe it's not the best solution. And maybe uh, it's uh, everyone knows about the test pyramid and, and uh, the the API level tests are faster, uh, easier to maintain, and and maybe a combination of UI tests and API tests is a better solution for what you want to achieve. It depends on the context, but and um, it completely depends. You want to be able to maximize the opportunities you have. So a lot of the time that people focus on GUI automation is simply because that's all they know how to do. Um, or some people focus on API and only know how to do API. So then people use that bias to justify that type of um, automated execution approach. Whereas the more that we span the territory, the more options we have. I mean, I was automating uh, something last week that was all GUI-based web driver. Works fine on my machine. As soon as I put it on Travis in the cloud, it was failing. So I converted it all to use uh, JSoup, which I mentioned earlier, to um, just hit the HTML, extract it, and do um, checks on the HTML code directly because it was all HTML-based. But my initial bias was um, WebDriver because I was building it strategically and I knew how to use it long-term. But as soon as I hit this environment constraint, that forced me to rethink whether I needed to use WebDriver at this point and I converted it to something else. But you really want the flexibility of being able to handle these things. Because sometimes it is really important to automate the GUI because that's where the conditions, that's the only place that those conditions can be tested. And unfortunately, when you want to automate that level, very often the GUI needs a lot of support because you, you can't just automate a tiny bit. Sometimes you have to automate the flows through in order to get to that part. So there's a lot of work sometimes involved in that. But if you know how to mix, then perhaps you can come into the GUI, grab a cookie, throw it onto the HTTP um, stack, feed through some calls, then jump back into the GUI by injecting the cookie again. But you need to understand the, the, tech, the whole technology process in order to do that. I think there are many people paying attention 
nowadays on how to reduce costs in software testing or in the whole development process, right? Mm -hmm. But specifically, specifically thinking in, in software testing, many people talk about using automation as a way to reduce or optimize costs of software <laughs> testing, right? Yep. But I have another question. How can we optimize or reduce the costs associated to software testing automation? Do you have any insights about that? So the easiest way, right, the, the instant way to do that is to not call it test automation, right, and spread the cost across the entire process. Because really what we're trying to do is we're trying to automate the um, assertions of particular conditions. Some of those relate to requirements, which span the entire software development process. Um, so, and I, I tend not to use the phrase test automation because I really want to get in people's heads that what we're doing is we're automating, which then frees you up from a particular role doing the particular automating. It frees you up from having to code it. You can use whatever tools are required. You can bring the team in. You have to start thinking about what are your objectives because a lot of the time, unfortunately, teams themselves don't deal in money terms, right? A lot of teams don't have budgets, so they don't think in terms of money. What they have is time. So what they're really doing is spending time. So any return that they get is not going to be monetary-based. It's going to be time-based. And most of the time when we automate, it's to free us up to have time to do a different set of things that can add extra value. And if we don't automate well, then we don't get that return because we have to spend a lot of time maintaining or fixing or guiding through, massaging through this whole automated execution. Um, but it's, it's really about money and it's never about test automation. Right? It's always about automating to achieve certain goals. Some of those goals are related to testing, at which point it's automating within our testing process, but it can still be done as part of the entire software development process because testing is simply part of a software development process. And the more that we think in those terms, the more teams will work together, we'll share skill sets, we will build things that are reviewed by the people who can review it, right? Because testers very often are not the best programmers in the world. So getting it reviewed by programmers should be a good thing to do. But sometimes programmers are not necessarily the best testers, so having them automate all the time may not achieve the abstraction layers that support testing to do ad hoc automation or to bolster their exploratory testing abilities. It all needs to work together as a whole. Yeah, and again, it's the, the, the team and with the different skills complementing yep. each other that is the key for, for the success. I think so, and that's what I think we have to fight for and um, working as a team all the time, getting away from that role-based focus and making sure everyone is trying to achieve a certain outcome. Yeah, collaboration. This was everything for today. I will publish the second part of the interview with Alan next week, so don't miss it. I hope your sense for quality got better after this conversation. Thank you so much for listening and please subscribe to Quality Sense Podcast. Tell your friends, your family, your colleagues or whoever you think can benefit from listening to it. I hope to see you soon. Adios amigos.